Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Do not go gentle into that good night. I'm Kayla and I'm Kristen and this is Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show friend, welcome and hello. Hi, come on in. Enjoy the show. It's been a while. We are excited to have Kristen back. So sorry that we don't have Mama Nikki here this week. Her schedule is just honestly crazier than both of ours and I'm gonna have to find some time to where it works for all of us but hopefully as soon as possible. Um, Definitely before Father's Day. So Thank you guys for your patience. (laughs) I know, right? But yeah, we're here today with today's case. I'm excited. Um, Before we start, though, I do want to give you guys a little baby update. Yay! The baby is doing amazing. He is thriving. And I'm six months pregnant as of yesterday of the recording of this episode. And I also have my baby registry put together finally. Finally. I'll put the link in the episode description. You guys can check it out. Anything helps. Um, you guys, my what are first you going to get her? Because I'm going to get her everything. <laughs> but also, I need help. So we yeah. all need to look at this registry and see what we're going to contribute yes. to our baby. And just for the record, if you guys don't know, Kayla has picked a name. Yes. His name is going to be Cade Everin Collins. And I'm super excited. I love it. Don't hop in my DM talking about nothing other than oh, greatness. Bitch, we love it. Because I don't want to hear anything else because you may get the toot. <laughs> Um, that you're not gonna like. Don't but- play with her six <laughs> months, okay? We're ecstatic for Cade, and um, we've already received some gifts in our PO mm-hmm. from people already, like that are so stinking cute, y'all. Yes. So we really love you guys. We appreciate all the support. And if you guys just want to mail us stuff, the PO box address is on the website, so you can check that out at blacktruecrime.com. So without further ado, sister, let's get started. Period. On this show, we've talked about a lot of criminals that were caught for lesser crimes, spent time in jail, and when released, escalated their criminal behavior to murder. Well, today's case is one of those cases, and to know that this killer was just 14 years old when he committed his first known violent act, you can guess that he only escalates and gets worse. So join us as we travel to New York, New Jersey, and discuss the rapist-turned-serial killer, Jerome Dennis. Oh, Jerome, don't play with me today. I'm feeling hot. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to get into it. Mm, it's the eyes for me. Mm-hmm. It's always the eyes. Jerome Dennis was born on Wednesday, December 14th, 1966 in Newark, New Jersey. Sister, <laughs> what do you have for us this week in regards to black history? We've missed it so much. Okay, y'all. I'm coming in the hot seat and I do have something prepared and it's hot. Okay, um, but it's not no 1966. We're going all the way back to the 1800s, all the and way. we're going to be talking about a lady, or shall I say, a little girl named Sarah Rector. Sarah Rector was a black female Native American because yes, some of us were actually here before Christopher Columbus <laughs> got here, before we were brought. Thank you, and 
she became a multimillionaire at the age of 12, y'all. Mm. So Sarah and her pappy were descendants of the Creek Nation. They were Native Americans. Mm-hmm. So when the colonizers came over here, you know how they took everybody's stuff. So in 1812, they actually gave back some land to Sarah and her pappy, Mm -hmm. um, over 160 acres of the Creek Nation land. Now, don't get it twisted. Colonizers were not just being nice, okay? They were doing what they needed to do because they took all of the fertile land. Yeah. And then the land that was seen infertile, Mm -hmm. they gave back to the descendants. Okay. So um, come to find out, Sarah's pappy had somebody come on the land to start like mining and doing some oil rigging. Found out the land was super duper fertile for oil. <laughs> there was getting, I think he said like 2,500 barrels of oil a month or a year wow. or something like that. And he set Sarah up. He made sure that she had a little piece of the pie. And so that's how she became a multimillionaire at the age of 12 years old. And if y'all see her pictures, if you look up Sarah Rector, she looks good. Oh. Well, if you're on Patreon, you know I'm included. Mm -hmm. So, period. Shout out to Sarah and her daddy and the idiots that thought they were cursing them when they were really blessing them. Facts with their own land. (laughs) Well, awesome, sister. Thank you so much for that trip down history lane. No problem. So back to Jerome. Born December 14th, 1966. He was primarily raised by his mother and he was the seventh of nine children. Mm. Good God. They grew up in a neighborhood called the Columbus Homes, which is now abandoned and was known to be one of the poorest housing projects in the area. Dang. Mm -hmm. So we already can guess what it was giving Mm -hmm. out there. It was a little impoverished and heavily crime riddled. And congested. Yes, at the very least. And Jerome kind of fell into the toxicity of the environment and started getting in trouble with the police at just 11 years old. But he wasn't officially charged with anything. He would just get caught doing bad stuff and essentially taken home after. So not really a good idea when you're trying to deter a young child from doing wrong. But also at the same time, you're giving him grace, which is probably what was needed, being impoverished, congested, and crime riddled. No, if anything, he doesn't need grace. He needs more direction. When someone is showing that they're going to be doing criminal activity at such a young age, I don't think saying go home to your mommy is going to be enough, especially when they're constantly doing it. I'm just saying as a kid, you don't think this dude is going to turn into a serial motherfucking killer or a rapist. You're just thinking he ain't got no business. That was actually cool for them to send him home once or twice, but maybe not three, four, five, and six times. That nigga needs some discipline because he's clearly a hard ass, y'all. No, this is the issue today. People are not raising their motherfucking kids. <laughs> That's the issue today. <laughs> this is a future mom. Yeah, speaking. I'm not fucking playing. Like, if my son is doing terrible things, uh, yeah, lock his ass up so he learns something. Or because I'm clearly doing something wrong, something needs to be changed. And the mom had nine kids like she can't be around all the time. So I understand how he's probably just out here doing whatever he wants because Jerome didn't give a fuck about getting in trouble at 11 because by 13 years old, Jerome had already dropped out of school. Oh, Jerome. He didn't even make it to high school. He dropped out in seventh grade. You've learned nothing. That's what I'm saying. Grace my ass. He needed to whoop it. That too. To each their own, though. I'm not telling everyone to whoop their kids anyway. With more time on his hands and freedom to do what he wanted, Jerome started escalating his criminal behavior. He went from minor theft crimes to rape before he was even 15 years old. Horrible. Yeah. On November 6, 1981, 14-year-old Jerome, he's 14, 
and his 18-year-old brother, William, raped a woman in downtown Newark. Wow. After the disgusting attack, the brothers went to Military Park and found a payphone where Kristen tripped the fuck off this. They called the police to report what they just done. Why? I'd rather they were literally bragging about it. To the police? Yes, to the 911 operator or whatever, and went into immense detail about what they did to this woman. Oh, they're sick. Sick as fuck. Why so, yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. 14 years old? But the thing is, here his 18-year-old brother is right mm-hmm. there with them yep. doing the dumb shit. So he's thinking, this is culture, this is cool, this is fine. Yeah, yeah. And while on the phone, they even claimed that two Newark police officers were involved in the rapes. Uh-uh. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. Doubt that was even investigated, because let's be fucking real. But they believed them on everything else they said, and... The call was so long that it it was like a full hour long and it was enough time for it, dispatchers to find out where the phone was and arrest the two boys. Period. So they were arrested right there, standing at the payphone like some idiots. <laughs> Dummies. Once the boys were arrested and then interrogated, they admitted to two additional rapes that they claimed they committed in October, which was the month prior. Yeah, so this is, like, something that they clearly are doing. Yeah, like, this they're, is like... This is a pastime for them. Absolutely, and they're comfortable doing that, comfortable snitching on themselves. Where is this confidence from? Like, who even's idea was this? William, are you okay? Because Jerome's 14. Right. He's expected to be dumb, stupid. 18-year-olds are at least a little less dumb. They should be. They should be. Both brothers were tried together as adults on two rape charges and one attempted rape. And that's what you get. You're tried as an adult. Yep, because you think, you know, you're doing adult shit. You think it's cute. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to call and brag. Like, yeah, give him the chair. And in December of 1981, both were convicted of rape, false imprisonment, and armed robbery. Mm. 14-year-old Jerome was sentenced to 30 years in prison with the possibility of parole after 10 years. Mm -hmm. So he would be like 24 when he got out. And William was charged with 30 years in prison with no chance of parole. Ooh, William? Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he's out now. Nineteen eighty one, definitely, yeah, he's, out. he's definitely out now if he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find any like updates on him, pictures, nothing like that. William got thirty years. I'm, I'm not mad at that. I'm really not. Yeah. And you led your brother into some mess like that. Like mm-hmm. that's exactly probably what you get. Mm-hmm. You need to sit down for a long time. I would be smiling if he got life because he's clearly a habitual rapist by the age of eighteen. But hey, they. They did what they could, I guess, in this situation. I mean, 30 years, that's half of his life. That's all of his young adulthood. Oh, yeah. He'll be a grown man when he gets out. And for me, I was thinking, I was like, I just don't understand why an older sibling or just like a peer in general would encourage a young boy to do shit like this. Like, why? Control? Power? Maybe he felt like... Camaraderie? Yeah, like, let's do some hood rash together. (laughs) And he was only 14. I'm like, just keep his ass like i know he's only 14 and it's a risk we're taking Mm -hmm. but they seemed very comfortable in this type of behavior too comfortable i mean and that's what parole is for is to see parole hearings at least Mm -hmm. to see should you come out or should you not but and sometimes those are fucking jokes i was just gonna say okay the whole judicial system is a joke sometimes because how easy is it to manipulate someone you don't know Mm -hmm. and make them think that you're a changed person and there's only what like three or four people on that panel like please piss y'all off. can we get into kayla's silk press it's okay. just giving in every way thank you sister stay focused <laughs> 
So in my mind, I'm like, keep his ass in there. But that's not what ends up happening. Obviously, it's too early in the episode. Mm. While locked up, Jerome picked up a couple skills like baking. Oh, Mm -hmm. he actually took some vocational cooking classes and he was a part of a Bible study group on the outside looking in Jerome was changing. And that's what we all hope. Right. Right. Seems like he's improving. He's learning something he seems to enjoy. I mean, baking is hard as hell. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he was taking it seriously. And in 1999, the parole board felt like his behavior was good enough for him to be released. And Jerome was released on parole on November 19th. Uh Oh, right. Not too long after his release, the 24 year old found a place to live. He moved into a house in East Orange, New Jersey. And I think he was actually helped. Yeah. His probation officer helped him. It's given help. Mm Mm-hmm. And he got a job at a bakery in West Orange as a porter. And a porter is just a person that, like, takes out the trash, helps open and close the shop, stuff like that. Yeah, it was a start. Mm -hmm. His coworkers described him as being a quiet but diligent worker. And he also had a little part-time job at Burger King as a cleaner. Jerome, this is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. How could you mess this up? I mean, it's really giving at this point. It is. It's giving reformed. Off to a great start. But I don't know why these things happen so often when it comes to serial murderers, but the great start just doesn't last. In this case, it's just, it's no different. It's just a huge case of self-sabotage. 110%. And me and Kristen self-sabotage, you know, Mm -hmm. when we were younger all the time, but Mm -hmm. just to see the different levels of Of self-sabotage that people can reach, ours doesn't scratch the surface. It doesn't compare. Mm -mm. So he was released from prison on November 19th. Less than a month later, on December 12th, Jerome attacked 26-year-old Zelda Bailey. Thankfully, she was able to get away without serious injuries Dang and survive. Zelda, you look good. Yes. And some of these pictures of the victims, well, most of them, they've been kind of edited. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find, like, the originals. I don't know why people don't post these people in papers and stuff, but they're always posting pictures of the killer. It's the killer, just so... Yeah. Yeah. interesting to me but whatever but yes it's giving zelda we see you zelda Big cutie break mm-hmm. giving jerome was probably really disappointed that he didn't take her life and decided to try again four days later uh to someone else or to zelda someone else oh. on december 16th dennis raped and strangled 41 year old robin carter in oh. newark new jersey and her body was found the same day robin yeah rest in peace rest robin. in peace robin and I don't even know, we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but we don't know how he was meeting this, these women, how, because we don't know if there was like sex work, like whatever. But either way, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Two months later, on the day after Valentine's Day, Dennis kidnapped 30-year-old Elizabeth Clenor while she was on her way f- home from applying for a job at McDonald's. After Jerome kidnapped her, he raped and beat her to death. Good God disgusting mm-hmm. and then left her body in an abandoned house but her, but her body wouldn't be found until almost two months later and elizabeth had two kids like what are you doing you had it made it's just something in them that it must be sick and it must have been lying dormant yeah i think it's kind of like some people's addiction to porn mm. like you can get addicted to it and you want to hide it from everyone because you're so ashamed of it but it's something that's still there mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of what's happening with these fucking this fucking freak yeah people say like once an addict always an addict Mm -hmm. because you always have that hunger Mm -hmm. for that thing yeah and i guess it definitely can apply to rapists and murderers definitely 
And this man is only 24 at the time and like has all this hate and anger in him. I'm just confused. I don't know if it's specifically toward women Mm -hmm. or if he's just using them as victims of circumstance, you know, of of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know his relationship with his mom. Exactly. We don't know. Almost a week later, on February 21st, Jerome stabbed 30-year-old Stephanie Alston to death and then abandoned her body about 150 feet from where Elizabeth's body was abandoned in the Mm. house. Okay, so now we have close proximity. Very close. But he's doing different things. Rape is consistent, but Mm -hmm. the whole first he strangled and now he's stabbing. Mm -hmm. So what's going on? I think the most important part of his attacks is the rape. And then he just kills them however he can can kill them. Mm -hmm. And he seems to be getting like more comfortable and more brazen with it because the very next day on February 22nd, Jerome attacked 23-year-old Khadijah Harris with a knife. But thankfully, she survived the attack. Oh, Khadijah. I know. Well, rest in peace, Stephanie. Rest in peace, Stephanie. Let's not glance over that. At all whatsoever. Beautiful angel. Also, Khadijah, you're a survivor. Mm-hmm. I'm like survivors of rape and stuff. Like, they might as well have gone to war. They were basically in Vietnam. It's so traumatized. I was going to say they have PTSD. They definitely can. Oh, my loins hurt. And if we are to believe that he actually stopped attacking women for the next two months, on April 10th, 1992, Jerome found his youngest victim to date. Mm-mm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready either. And to be more accurate, his youngest victims were found on April 10th, with one being Jamila Jones. This is her. If you're on face, I'm sorry. If you're on Patreon, you see it. And she was only 16 years old. And on that night, she was out with some friends. And once it got dark, she decided to go home and was within six blocks of her house when Jerome grabbed her, raped her and then stabbed her to death. Disgusting. A 16 year old girl. He then took her body and just threw it over a pedestrian overpass. So so he doesn't give a damn at all about no. the victims, about disposing of them. No. He's there's, not trying to hide his tracks. No. There's no humanity attached to how he sees these women. They're objects to him. Yeah. And disposable. Right. It's giving. He either hates women mm-hmm. or he sees them as nothing but useful for sex uh, and that's it. 110%. Her body was found at 2.49 a.m. by an East Orange police officer. And to be this young and this violent and heartless, I'm just like, what happened to you? This is why stuff that happens in your childhood is so important and pivotal and why we like to talk about it on the show because it essentially makes you who you are, you know? And coupled with the trauma, you have to either get with it or get gone in the sense of like let it destroy you or let it make you who you are in the best way let it build you up so for everybody who claims that therapy is stupid you might (laughs) want to think twice because it may not be working for you or you may not need it but someone else like this guy jerome would have desperately needed something like that absolutely and speaking of therapy check out betterhelp.com slash black true crime to get 10 percent off your first month period because we're protecting our peace and our space and our mental health (laughs) that's a fact So rest in peace to Jamila. Oh, my God. Rest in peace, baby girl. And shout out to her family. My heart hurts for them. That same day at 6.14 a.m., Elizabeth Clenor, remember we already talked about her, her body was found by East Orange police officers who were searching the area for evidence in regards to Jamila's death. Okay. So they're literally at Jamila's crime scene doing a canvas and they find another body. Another freaking body. 
And then the body of Stephanie Alston was found at 4.04 p.m. in the same area on the same day. So now they're like, we have a problem on our hands. Unfucking real Could you imagine? No. What they were thinking? Like, I would have been sick to my stomach. Me too. I would have to go home, bitch. My shift is over. Nah, bring out the cops, bring out the dogs, bring out the copters, because at the end of the day, this dude is killing right under our nose, and we didn't even know it. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or did we? We'll Mm -hmm. talk about it. The very next day, on April 11th, the body of 14-year-old Shakia Hedgespeth was found within blocks of Elizabeth's, Jamila's, and Stephanie's bodies. I'm infuriated. I mean, he's he is completely comfortable. This has to be like on his route home from work or something. I told you, close proximity. Like he lives in this area. It's just freaky. Like Shakia was only 14 years old. Kayla, come on. I just can't. I can't. He's getting younger and younger. He doesn't care. He no. doesn't care about age. Mm-mm. They're not resembling anybody other than being black victims. Right. I think he's just straight up using opportunity to find his victims and knowing that they're black women they're probably more comfortable with him Mm -hmm. and less people will probably care for being honest which i just want to throw shit so he's dumping bodies in a very comfortable area that he's clearly confident in and i think that's just dumb because it makes it easier for investigators to connect the murders and then connect them to you jerome but is he even caring about that part i don't think so i don't think he cares about getting caught at all actually so yeah and i don't i think we think sometimes like oh someone's completely evil and they're doing all these horrible things of course they don't want to get caught but that's not the case it's just not the case some people have a compulsory habit of doing these things Mm -hmm. and they have to do it no matter what So I think that's kind of where Jerome is at right now. He's enjoying it. He loves it. He wants to continue to do it and won't stop unless someone makes him stop. He's literally feeding that habit. And it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger. 100%. At this point in the case, I'm asking the same question I feel like I ask all the time on this show, which is where are the police? Mm -hmm. Well, both Newark and East Orange Police Departments were aware of the murders and they decided to warn the public about a potential serial killer that was active in the area. About time. Thank you. It's, it's going to get a little crazier to watch. Mm-hmm. So they warned women about traveling along alone and after dark, and they beefed up police presence in the areas. Okay. But honestly, this warning didn't really seem to help as much as it hurt. The public in both cities basically freaked out and just went into like a mass panic. That's why people don't want to be telling y'all nothing, because mm-hmm. y'all don't know how to freaking act. People don't know how to act. So the FBI was brought onto the case to see if they could help solve it quicker or at least give the public a little more confidence in the fact that the police are doing everything they can. Mm -hmm. A task force was formed between the FBI and the East Orange PD and like some other law enforcement entities were involved as well, but it was mostly them. There were some meetings that were held within the communities about how to protect each other. Um, Flyers were passed out advising people on how to protect themselves and stay safe. So the community is doing what they can because the cops are like obviously not fucking doing anything or at least fast enough for the community. Right. Like how much more can they really do without the community's help? Right. Also, like y'all need to focus 100 percent on catching this dude. So let them have that and community. You gonna have to really take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's April. And I was able to see some articles and stuff from the time and Obviously, they never posted any of the victims. Duh. They only posted the guy that they thought did it. And newspapers didn't even start printing about this until like April. Mm. Until the three bodies were found. 
So you y'all know, sleep. We we already know who the media gives a shit about. It's not these black women being murdered. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Hey guys, so I heard somewhere recently on the internet that people are saying buying takeout is cheaper than actually cooking at home. And I feel like that's absolutely untrue and impossible, especially if you're using HelloFresh. HelloFresh is honestly, guys, I think it's dope, especially when you're short on time and you don't have time to go to the grocery store and get that one ingredient you're missing for a meal that you're trying to make. Instead, with HelloFresh, they send you everything you need so you don't even have to worry about that. HelloFresh is the number one meal kit in America right now. You get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Cook for your family, for you, for your boo, whatever you really want to do. They have so many options, over 40 different weekly recipes, and then they have individual items that you can just buy to have in your pantry. I love it. I think you'll love it too. And I highly recommend you guys try it. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Black True Crime 16 and use code Black True Crime 16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's a lot of 16, but that's also a lot of free food. So again, Go to HelloFresh.com slash BlackTrueCrime16 and use code BlackTrueCrime16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. So when it comes to the investigation, Jerome, as we know, either wasn't the smartest guy or truly just didn't give a damn because he ended up leaving behind multiple samples of his blood, his hair, and saliva. Perfect. That's what we need. Like, Kristen, saliva, bitch, you put your mouth on me. Not only did you violate me in the worst way, you put your mouth on me? Just disgusting. I would have just blacked out and just said, to hell with surviving. Leave <laughs> as much damage as you can. <laughs> and, like, that's not even funny. That's real no, stuff. that's real shit. It's like, I just can't even imagine being in these women's position. No, no. The, vi- no. the, the feeling of just being that violated, I wouldn't wish on anyone. Before your life is taken. Oh, God. I, oh, I wish I could hug them. So... The samples were later tested and found to match Jerome. Plus his background in prison and the fact that two of the surviving victims. So remember we have, hold on, let me get the names right. We have Khadijah and we have Zelda. Mm -hmm. They picked him out of a lineup and said, this is the man that attacked us. Period. We remember his face. It's him. Period. Thank you for coming to the station. Right. So with the police having all this information, they feel like they have the right guy and now they just need to get him into custody. Okay. Where is he? So I don't know where they arrested him, but I did want to talk about like kind of where he lived in the area that he lived in. The house Jerome lived in was a three family Victorian house in a neighborhood that labeled itself as like a crime watch neighborhood. It wasn't really known or they weren't used to having this types of crimes happen in their area. How the heck he end up there? He's a whole convicted felon. Well, I think it was because his PO helped him find a place to stay before he was even released. I think that's kind of how it worked from what I read. So maybe it's just one of those homes where, you know, inmates mm-hmm. halfway house type of vibe. Maybe that's why it was. In a crime watch neighborhood, it's probably the perfect place to put them. Mm-hmm. But also that could backfire. 100%. Because I'm like, that's the first house they're going to look at yeah. if stuff goes down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were just like, we didn't expect this to happen in our neighborhood. If anything, it should happen like on the other side of the city. And in regards to Jerome himself, a lot of his neighbors claim they never even saw him. And had no idea who he was. Wow. That's what I want my neighbors to say about me. <laughs> You're so silly. I want them to have no idea I'm here. No, I want everyone to know I'm here. <laughs> this is my house. Hi. <laughs> yeah, you're like that, bitch. Mm-hmm. I be ducking and dodging. 
On Monday, April 13, 1992, 25-year-old Jerome Dennis was arrested and charged with 35 felonies. Good Lord. These charges included robbery, assault, kidnapping, rape, manslaughter, and murder. Good. And yes, New Jersey is, or at least was, a death penalty state. I didn't look up what they're doing now. So he will be facing the chair for sure. So let's see what it's giving because Jerome, it's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. You should have been in that chair. Mm-hmm. Well, well, at least at after fourteen. The first I don't victim, know. I was say at fourteen. No, I don't know. At least but after the first victim, at least mm-hmm. after the first murder victim. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to kind of how he is connected to the victims. Like who was who was the first person to die? I think it was Miss Robin Carter. Yeah, Miss mm-hmm. Robin. Mm-hmm. If they had been able to do a more thorough investigation or even chose to i'm sure they would have been able to find a connection i'm sure they would have been able to find out where robin went a lot and she clearly probably had a routine yeah so i think they could have happened upon jerome a lot sooner if they gave a shit if they found her in time right his bond was set at two million dollars he ain't getting out (laughs) he ain't getting out Kristen. and mind you this is the part that like blew my fucking mind. Jerome was arrested only two days after Jamila's body was found and Stephanie's and um, who else was found? Jamila, Stephanie, and Jamila, Stephanie Elizabeth. and Elizabeth. Correct. Good, Kristen. Good job. Mm-hmm. So he was arrested two days after that and only one day after Shakia's body was found. So how the fuck did they put together a task force, warn the public and find enough evidence to arrest this man in only two days? know but that's phenomenal and i wish it happened more often and he was killing for five to six months how did you have time to warn the public honestly it's a little when i saw that fact i was like my hairs are going up like yeah. my ears are perking up a little bit because like what is this i mean it takes long how? to run a dna test on his doggone dna thank you chris and then i do mention that later in the episode so yeah mm-hmm. investigators were obviously really happy with his apprehension but the public not so much. Really? Mm-hmm. And the main reason was because they really felt like Jerome was only being arrested because investigators wanted to pacify the public. Y'all, I get it. And y'all don't know that he's actually the one who did it. Right. But he did it. And think about it. You find out that five women have been murdered in the last five to six months. And then two days later, they're arresting someone for those murders. And it's a black man. And you're really like, back then, it's probably like, Okay, if somebody's killing black women, we're thinking it's a white male. No, 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 no. no. Back then, from what the BAU or whatever the FBI's behavioral analysis, whatever the fuck. They've caught on. What they were saying was white people kill white people. Okay. Black people kill black. Okay. That was still like the stance. Okay. I'm not mad at it. It was right in this case. Who well, was right in this case? I mean, so far, so far. What the fuck do we know? Right. So basically, the public is just like, y'all are trying to think that we're stupid mm-hmm. and we're not mm-hmm. so a public meeting was held after in fact you are oh yeah a little bit but at least somebody's asking questions right. there was a public meeting that was held after jerome's arrest and over 250 people showed up to ask investigators questions okay a woman named renee boone said about jerome's arrest quote all the media was after him i think what they needed was a suspect fast end quote okay that gives it looks like that mm-hmm Another man at the meeting said that this case reminded him of the Warren Commission report that was released after the assassination of JFK. And if you know anything about conspiracy theories, you know how many people think JFK was really killed by the government and they just covered it up. Mm -hmm. So that's what he's basically implying, (laughs) that this is a a sham and 
Jerome is a charlatan. <laughs> in the sense of he didn't really do this. Y'all are just making him the scapegoat. Oh, y'all, I get it. We've seen our government do it. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't they not do it in this situation? Right. But Jerome did it. Well, oh. he could have. We don't know. I, I Shit. We're going to talk about it. You know me. I like to get through the you case and then say my opinion. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Jerome initially pleaded not guilty to all the charges, but later provided a full confession to all of the murders. Why would he do that? Why did he call the police and snitch on himself and brag about the rape in 1981? Jerome, get your life. Maybe he's just a small man that finds power in the most fucking stupid, macabre, evil things. Like, oh, I'm going to withhold. Okay, now I'm going to let it all out. Like, boy... After his confession, Jerome's lawyer claimed that his client was schizophrenic and wanted a psych eval conducted on him. Okay, that gives us, well, it doesn't give, Mm -hmm. but I would love a psych eval on Jerome. Yeah, see what he got going on up in that motherfucking brain. Mm -hmm. It didn't work Mm -hmm. in his favor or his defense's favor, and Jerome was cleared to stand trial for his actions. Okay. So... Once it was clear that he wasn't going to get off for no insanity plea, on February 27th, 1993, Jerome officially agreed to a plea deal so that he could avoid the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And he pleaded guilty to 13 charges. So the five murders, two counts of sexual assault, one count of aggravated assault, one count of armed robbery, two counts of criminal restraint, and one count of parole violation. Wow. Okay. Five so, murders alone will get you life. Yeah. But as you can see, it's like a lot of these were reduced. So you don't see the kidnapping charge. You don't yeah. see the rape charges. They were reduced because of the plea deal. Yeah. But he's still facing all five murders. So that's at least great for the victims Absolutely. and the families. Mm-hmm. Because he took a plea deal and didn't take his case to trial, Jerome was sentenced by a judge and received two consecutive and then three concurrent life terms. Okay. I don't know what concurrent means. We're going to talk about it. Basically, he's serving two life sentences back to back. Okay. That's the consecutive part. Mm -hmm. And then plus three life sentences that will run at the same time as the two life sentences. Okay. Which makes no sense because it's like if you're serving two and then three are running concurrently, wouldn't you end up serving one one of the three consecutively? And then if you live past one life sentence, at least you have that backup life sentence with two. But, bitch. So in this plea deal, it's very confusing. But it doesn't matter because in this plea deal, he is eligible for parole after 60 years. Yes, I said eligible for parole after killing five women, raping five women, and attempting to kill two others. That's what we know of. And when you hear five murders, you don't want to hear eligible for nothing. For nothing, bitch. For the death penalty, for the chair. You're giving him all these life sentences, but he's still eligible for parole. For so lethal really injection. Life sentences. Exactly. It's a it's a joke. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, what dumb prosecutor agreed to this? Because they're like, he's never going to make it to the 60 years. He'll be 100 and something by. No, no, he'll be 85 by then. Right. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know what the fuck that man was thinking. His name is Peter, by the way, the prosecutor. Peter was like, he's 85. He's going to be, you know, old and decrepit and probably will die in prison. So let's just do this. Right. Stupid. And I feel bad for the families because I don't care if you're 85 or 185. You don't deserve to breathe a breath of free air. Yeah, it does give like contradictory. All these life sentences only to make him eligible for parole. Right. What? Exactly. And the date that he would go 
undergo his parole evaluation is the same date that Jamila's body was found in 1992. Mm. Jamila's, Stephanie's, and I'm missing someone first. You Elizabeth. got it. Elizabeth. Always Elizabeth. <laughs> Sorry, Elizabeth. But yeah, so hopefully they do some type of justice when it's time for him to be up. And that's going to be in 1952. So we'll see. 1952? I'm sorry. 2052. Mm. So, yeah. In my opinion, you're done, sir. You're not getting out. With how the prison system is now, you'll probably die of some health issue because the system is just fucked. So, you know, good luck. I feel like this is really just showing us some people just need to really be in jail <laughs> in prison. It's And it's like they do better there than yeah. out here in these streets with all the different freedoms. They can't control themselves. They don't they have the capability to do that. Some people need to have a court mandated routine for them to not be murderers and rapists and fucking child molesters. Yes. Which is insane, but it does show you how important, you know, routine and and habit and having a healthy just life, you know, yeah. just having like a healthy process when you do shit and how important that is to who you become. And we're just going to have to realize that even adults are just some grown tail kids. Yeah. And despite everybody thinking, oh, well, you're grown. No, grown is not an excuse for somebody having common sense. Grown Correct. is not an excuse for somebody being able to live this life like me and you live it. Right. Some people need some genuine supervision. Yes. And some bitch electrocution because that's what he the chair the chair some people just need the chair Kayla, not basically saying people need lobotomies well lobotomies bitch that's not i'm saying death the oh. chair give him the chair <laughs> have i not said it in a while <laughs> i was thinking as a way of torture not like death. no no i don't even I, I think torture is where you become kind of inhumane like i don't think the government should be allowed to torture anyone but mm -hmm. i definitely think if it's they should be able to kill people proven that this person deserves that they're like taking the shot but <laughs> i don't trust the government either so it's right. just like it's, it's a double-edged sword but i do feel like there are some crimes that people commit that they just shouldn't be able to live among us anymore and i damn sure shouldn't be paying for them with my tax money well you and a lot of other people think the same way. I know. Either way, it's how I feel. Mm -hmm. That's our case. No, it's not. Oh. So I had some questions throughout this case because there was no trial. We may never know any of the answers to them. So I kind of just wanted to bring them to your attentions and see if it's a question y'all had. So one of them was, how did he target his victims? Mm. Did he know them? Because I read that one of the women that were attacked but survived was able to point out that a knife police had in custody belonged to Jerome. Okay. So, like, did she know it was Jerome's because it was a knife that he used on her or right. because she knew Jerome and had previously seen him with the knife? Right. Like, been to his house, was, you know, familiar with him. Who What's knows? Forgiving. Exactly. And then I also found it really strange that during Jerome's arraignment, officials and investigators didn't really provide any information on exactly what led to Jerome's, like, apprehension. Mm -hmm how he targeted victims. They refused to talk about his motive. They wouldn't talk about how the women were connected to Jerome. They wouldn't even say if there were any witnesses to these attacks. Why? I have no fucking clue. I've never, I know you don't like give your whole case during an arraignment, but to be this vague was really fucking shocking to me. And Based now that he's locked up, you should be able to tell us everything that we need to know. But why would they? They don't care. He's locked up. That's and at this funny. point, 
they're basically saying he did it. I know he did it. I'm not going to tell you how he did it because it doesn't really matter. But he did it, so just give him a chair. I was like, bitch, do you even know how he did it and why he did it and how he was connected to these doggone victims? I think it was mainly the two women that they claimed picked him up out of a lineup. I think that was like their main go-to because how can you find out his DNA matched the DNA found at the scenes in two days? There's no fucking way. In 1990, there's no way. That's huge, Kayla. There's no way they could have known that. To get that DNA back that fast? Right. Nah. Right. You must have had that thing match while he was already in custody. Exactly. Exactly. Or had been looking at him for months before and just used maybe a DNA sample from his 1981 case and then was waiting for the results on that. I mean, but they didn't share it. So how we just don't know. Yeah. It even came into question that Jerome could have possibly been surveilled by authorities while the murders were taking place. Yet nothing was done in regards to it. But again, nothing was done to look into these claims any further. And the mayor of East Orange at the time, his name was Cardell Cooper, said he was satisfied with how the task force handled their investigation. I'm sure you were. You got a conviction. But like, honestly, this really isn't about you. No. Because these victims aren't tied to you at all. No. They're tied to their families. Yeah. And that's the ones who deserve the truth. But when the community is freaking out and you have to basically like who saw them you're gonna say whatever right. and cardell was a black man from what i from the research that i could find That's there's not really many kid. pictures of him which is weird but yeah do whatever you want with that info i personally was like damn son like y'all couldn't look at, into it a little bit further or at least been more transparent with how you guys found him because the people in the area are still not believing it mm. obviously you guys didn't do that great of a job I feel like at the least they could have pulled the victim's families aside and mm-hmm. been like, this is how this went down. I 110% agree with that, actually, Kristen. Like, I can be okay with not knowing what happened if they know. If they know, mm-hmm. right. So I will share a little bit about what we do know about his MO just from what was released. So Jerome lived at 254 North Walnut, which was only a few blocks north of where most of the women's bodies were found. And Jerome was abandoning the bodies within walking distance of the East Orange Police Station on North Munn Avenue. Ooh, that's sick. Bold as a motherfucker. Mm, mm, mm. And then all of his victims, of course, were black. So I was just confused how the fuck they were able to find him so quickly. That was my main question out of all of this stuff. And the prosecutor's responses were as general as you could get. This is at his arraignment. He said Jerome was, quote, not just plucked out of thin air. Okay, sir, so can you tell us where he was plucked from? Right, like, don't play with me. They're really just playing in everyone's fucking faces. Don't play with me and not just plucked out the... Okay, so how did you... What? Don't make blanket statements like that or statements that lead to us being, like, asking another question. Exactly. Just more confused than when you even didn't open your damn mouth. <laughs> so, so here's my theory. If Jerome really didn't do it... I believe that it's possible he was framed, okay? So remember, he and his brother claimed that they'd committed rapes in tandem with two Newark officers. Mm-hmm. Could have been lying, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems like they were telling the truth about everything else because they were charged with the two rapes and then the one attempted rape that they did. They were charged with that and sentenced for that. Uh-oh, sis, go off. So if one or both of those officers continued their attacks, they definitely had access and ability to frame Jerome for it. Just saying, because a few of the bodies were found by police officers, you know, which isn't something that's actually really 
uncommon for police officers to just happen upon dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was a connection somewhere. Shut up. Mm-hmm. And just to give you full transparency, another body was found strangled to death on August 28th, 1991, near the neighborhood Jerome grew up in. It was 27-year-old East Orange native Maria Ferguson. And although Jerome was still in prison at the time, so he hadn't been released until November, Maria's death was considered to be attached to Jerome in some way for a while. But once heads were removed from their asses and prison records were actually checked, it was realized that Jerome wasn't the right guy and they eventually arrested a man named Curtis Lee Stone Jr. He was 28 at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's possible that somebody else, I mean, it had to be somebody else, but it's possible that it could have been police officer that was just trying to say hey you know his family lives here remember he's he has nine siblings who knows how violent his other siblings were or into shit william's in jail for mm-hmm. rape i mean they could really do a lot here this is the thing that sucks with america because <laughs> one you think of the you have right one of the things you <laughs> think you have all the facts but then racism comes into play mm-hmm. you know and then there's a whole nother dirty little background underground thing that's going on possibilities that you don't you won't ever know really yeah insane Kristen. insane and then remember how jerome was out on parole this entire time Mm -hmm. while he's killing and raping and doing all this awfulness well according to maria sorry mario paparossi that was a supervising parole officer Mm -hmm. he was shocked and surprised when jerome was found charged for the murders and the rapes Jerome was required to undergo psychological treatment and counseling while on probation. And from what was reported, he was doing that. Like he was actually being a model parolee. Yeah. His parole officer was able to check on him at least once a week. He would pop in at his house, his job, all that. And according to Mario, there were never any issues. So I'm shook. Yeah. He had no idea where this came from. He was shocked. And And people can't even be like, well, Jerome played guilty. Duh, he played guilty. He was up against 35 counts. And yeah. if the real perpetrators are working in the police, like, people, right? he has no chance. No fucking What's he gonna chance. What's he going to say? They did it? Right. And that's why I wish we had more information about the confession that he provided. Was the confession coerced? Were they pointing him in the right direction and feeding him information about the murder so that he could feed it back to them you know what i'm saying we've seen that happen with the stephen avery case and just like i mean so many different cases will they be really trying to play and shit oh my god if it was a police officer i'll tell you right now we'll never fucking know No, they weren't even forthcoming after jerome was put under the prison about what really happened exactly and the sketchiness around those dna that, that DNA information, the evidence, I don't know, bro. I don't like that. I just I just don't know. And I'm not saying he didn't do it because it's very possible that he did because we know he did the rapes right. when he was 14. Right. But, but there's because of how they botched this case, I mean, as his defense attorney, I would have so much shit to go off of. It's ridiculous. But There's too much ambiguity. And right. it was left that way by the judicial system. Yep. Y'all didn't let it us was know what, choice. What, what it was really giving. Yep. Yep. And that's why people were looking at them sideways. Like if the public sees you arrest someone and they're like, "Mm, that's not giving a kosher arrest. It's saying something. Mm, It's saying something at all. I mean, you can't, but like, I don't trust the judicial system. You can't trust anyone, bitch. You can't trust trust anybody. Trust no one. Keep your head on a swivel and stay strapped up. And stay out of the courtrooms. 
if you can, please, please just avoid running into government shit at all costs. Pay your taxes and move the fuck off. <laughs> that's it, bitch. Keep your head down. And that's our case <laughs> for this week, everyone. What did you think? Oh, wow. Caleb threw a curveball at the end of that. Mm. What is it really giving you guys? Is Jerome the killer or is he not? Was he framed? What's it giving? Mm. Let us know. We didn't talk about his looks today too much because, Mm-mm. you know, he just he just looks like a, a regular motherfucker. Right. Nothing around. special. Nothing. You know, if you guys think of something, y'all know what to do. Let right. us Somebody know. Talk about his hairline. I already know <laughs> how thick it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Please let us know what you thought about this week's case. Mm-hmm. And if you get a chance to check out my baby registry, if I'm missing something on there that I need, please message me and let me know. And yeah, before we go, be safe, protect your peace and protect your space. So we don't have to cover your case, friend. We love you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.